Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast, where we listen into a group of rural firefighters as they give their opinions on the challenges they face both on and off the fireground. We release a new episode every week, so please hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating, and share this with your fire family and friends. Now on to this week's episode, where as always, we ask the question, are you DTFF? Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. <laughs> my name is Carl and tonight I am joined by two members of my firefighting family. I have Ash. Hey guys. I have Scott. Hey. And tonight we have from our extended family, we have Mr. Timeless Todd. I thought we've included Hello him in our again. family now. <laughs> yeah. family. I guess you're back in. You're back in. This is the podcast room. So. <laughs> um... Yeah, we uh, the boys have been on a little bit of a trip, uh, which we're going to get into a here in a second. A They've been on a shape. <laughs> They've been on a bit of a shape, but uh, we'll get into that in a minute. First of all, we got a bit of news there, Toddly. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just heard um, that there is a uh, six people injured in a shooting outside the nightclub in downtown uh, Catharines in Hamilton. Um, so it sounds like another active shooter event, and that kind of segues into what we're going to be talking about today from this uh, course that we attended. So our thoughts are out to all the people involved and the responders as well, and hope everything uh, turns out okay. I hope the responders, if they have any issues or problems, to reach out to their brotherhood. Absolutely. There's been a lot of that recently, actually. I've seen quite a lot of uh, on some of the volunteer pages there where people are actually starting to put messages on the boards of, hey, is there anybody I can talk to? And does anyone have Board 10 minutes open. Yeah, mm-hmm. to, to have a conversation? It's good. It's a good thing. It's yeah. an important thing. Get it out mm-hmm. and keep it in. Exactly. Uh, and yeah. Don't go at it alone. Yeah. Big, big phrase, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we are going to go on to the course that you boys went to. Where were you guys? We were back in Nelson, um, where we were in May. Did you? May, oh yeah, because the poster was still on the wall in that place. So it was May. It was the end of May. Oh, that's a really yeah. Next, <laughs> so to, like, next hey. to the Quilting Conference poster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, we're back in Nelson, uh, same place where we did a uh, ATAC seminar in or symposium. What was it called again? Not symposium. Um, sure. Conference. The conference mm-hmm. where we all went and we did a bunch of videos. We met uh, Dr. Nick Sparrow. Uh, we did. It was. We learned about cutting uh, legs off with. Um, with, with, um, yeah, with, yeah. with execution, that came up again. Um, yeah, think <laughs> outside the box. Didn't do it this time, but um, yeah. So we we went to the same town and learned from Doctor Nick again. So our tack is uh, rescue, trauma, and casualty care. It's a three day course, and it was a lot of advanced stuff, but made simple. I guess that's the best way to put exactly. it. Exactly, I think that's the best way I put it. Yeah, there's a. Uh, uh, even in their book they hand out, there's, there's a lot of uh, advanced techniques and considerations, but they really focus on those critical interventions that are going to make a difference in the field and that any basic provider or even advanced providers are going to do to save a life. And they just really reaffirmed that and supported that in high fidelity sims, a lot of real life scenario practicing. So was this, this was a couple of days, right? A couple of day seminar? Yeah, it was three days, three days altogether. Um, and it's based on the British or London, I guess, London model. So really advanced. Like, I mean, there was a lot of stuff where 
like we're a good 20 years behind i think some of the stuff we do in, in north america even for yeah i think <clears> for the overall uh, uh how we respond to certain healthcare emergencies and cardiac arrests and pre-hospital things like that yeah yeah we seem to be a little bit behind so yeah the, the week uh the, the three days started off uh it was actually good because it started, um, it was kind of a lot, like we did some uh, lectures and then it was all, every lecture was um, proceeded with a, with like a real life sim, but it wasn't like a typical first aid sim where you're like, okay, now a picture that this is, that person is bleeding. No, it was like, I came around a corner and there was a chainsaw running and there was a, a, a little girl screaming ah! with blood spurting 10 feet in the air. <laughs> I was, oh. Okay. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was, yeah, so it really enforced, and then it, it made you like, because a lot of those first aid courses from, because I've taken a fair amount, not as many as Todd, but I've taken a fair amount, and uh, they're always like very mundane, like very like, yeah, we know nothing's happening. It's too much mm-hmm. fake simulation. And it's uh, okay, you're going to deal with a fractured leg here, and simulate okay scene is safe my goggles are on my gloves are on and then you go into this clean floor and you assess the patient this was outside where it was borderline almost snowing um blood's everywhere um people are screaming and you're not you don't have time you're like you're not doing the whole like like step by step by step you're still doing it but it might be out a little bit out of order i'm not you got other people that are helping you um it was really more realistic, like more what we actually see on a real call. Mm-hmm. And the purpose, I don't know, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves, but <laughs> the purpose of of those high-fidelity sims and the way the RTAC group did that is, remember what Nick was talking about, the red mist, right? Yeah. You uh, enter this this zone of, you get your adrenaline pumping, the page has gone out, you're rolling in on scene, you're seeing all this carnage, and you're already really heightened your situational awareness is heightened uh your heart rate's elevated you know you're not going to be thinking the same and it's easier to get sucked in so he calls it the red mist you see uh that's called an arterial bleed and you just focus in on that and you don't notice anything else around you like the running chainsaw like you know so you're working all these environments that you know you could have done other little things to make it safer make it calmer but you're so focused in so that was the whole point of that is to get you sucked into a little bit to realize that you need to back out. And that red mist comes from the, the Cooper's color code back. Um, that's right, actually. That's what the, the Cooper's color code is. Uh, you got the white, which 99% of the people that aren't first responders or, or switched on people are in, just walking around in their daily life with their ride, watching their, looking at their phone. Those people are in the white, and they're basically patients. They're people that are going to be patients, probably. <laughs> like, if something happens, they're going to they're gonna be, yeah. It's just going to be... Job security. Yeah. <laughs> low and then And then you have the yellows. Low the people that are The people that go up to now, the, yeah, the low flyers. No, they're not the low flyers. They're, they're just the regular people that, you know, think everything's wonderful. World's wonderful. Um, so everything's fine. Then you have the yellows, which is pretty much where all the first responders kind of commonly sit. And actually, they made a good point. That may be why first responders die a little younger, because their heart rate is typically yeah. a little bit higher. At all times, our heart rate's a little bit more accelerated, because we're always looking around... We're always waiting for the next thing to happen. So those are the people in the yellow, and that's where really where we want to live. The yellow is where we want to be. We want to be on alert, but we don't want to be crazy out of the control. And then you got to the, then you got into the red. So once we kind of want to, on a scene, you kind of want to sit between yellow and red. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go full yeah. on red mist. Yeah. Yeah. So red mist was kind of like, that's where they're trying to push us into. We get into red mist. And the red, I think the mist part was now you're misting into the black. 
Yeah. And black is like you're, you're useless. You're just like, ah! yeah. <laughs> you're, just, you're basically you're as useless as a white. Dexterity, everything. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Can do. Yeah. Can function. Yeah. So that that was an old. Uh, I think it was an old police. Um, Cooper was an old police code thing that they follow. So, but we talked. So we we constantly brought up the red mist, and he, there these scenarios are trying to push us into that red mist. So. So it sounds like it was almost you know, or a lot of it was about teaching you detachment as well and just trying to focus on the, the bigger picture, staying in the yellow, yeah, being that detached a set of eyes and being able to take care of all of the problems as yeah. opposed to just focusing in on one. Yeah, there was a lot of Jockoisms that rolled through my head throughout the weekend, like, uh, you know, mm. decentralized command and detachment. And, you know, because like, I, uh, actually on that chainsaw one, I got sucked into the, because I said, oh, I'll be team lead. And then, of course, I get sucked in because... Um, obviously it's going to be a tourniquet wound. So I'm like, oh, I'm not, I teach tourniquets all the time. So I'm like, mm-hmm. give me the tourniquet. I'm putting it on. I'm like, oh, I'm a freaking team lead. Why am I in here? Like there's four other people, five other people with me. We don't need, I don't need to get, you know, I get sucked right into this freaking scenario. Like exactly the way I don't want to do. I think that's what I like the best of all these types of scenarios though, is because I think we all had a slight experience with that in the very beginning on the yeah. first, first Sims, yeah. because training environments are always hard too. You just train on hemorrhage control on yeah. pressure or tourniquets or whatever, and then you go and do a scenario, you're already thinking in the back of my mind, yeah, this is going to be a tourniquet scenario. Yeah. It may not be, <laughs> but you're thinking that right away, so you, you already are getting in, in that little focus. And uh, after that first scenario, ours is the same one, um, then you kind of realize, oh, okay, yeah, I got to step back. So we're learning from it. And we were divided up into groups of, there was, what, 30? Four. Yeah, so there, we were divided into groups of four. Uh, so Alpha Bravo, Charlie Delta, and... Uh, which is essentially like a truck. We were like a truck group. Like we were, it was like, cause it was really fire, fire department kind of There's related. seven course. of us per group? Yeah. Some had six, some had seven. Um, so it was kind of, a, it was a fire department based group that we were dealing with. There was, a, there was a couple of, um, paramedics there, um, a couple other people, but mainly fire department. So it was really like, that's your truck. Mm-hmm. So we, 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 we had to treat it like a truck. Mm-hmm. I think that's when that's the first few calls we we didn't treat it like a truck. We treated it like you're. Like, and I know the one paramedic that was with us. He was like, "I'm not used to having this many people." He's like, "I'm used to when I'm the attendant. I'm the attendant. I do my attendant work." He's like, "And I don't have maybe I have a partner, but I don't have five other people going. Okay, right. here's another thing. What do we have this? Put this on him now. Do that. It's like, yeah. Stop talking. Gets <laughs> <laughs> confusing. I'm sure that helped though with the scenarios for them. Yeah, I think by the end he, it was good for him because he understands now. Now he sees how fire can work mm-hmm. with him, can work with paramedics when fire comes. Because now it's like, oh, oh, these guys can fit in, and I can work with them. So. It comes back to another one of the episodes. Uh, I'm helping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, let's touch. Yeah, we a totally on... jumped all over the place. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's touch a little bit just on uh, just on our attack itself the ATAC group and you know how long they've been running and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, about Dr. Nick as well so they've been running for a while right I think this was the sixth sixth six. one for they've the done in, for this, the RTAC yeah, in Canada this, yeah. yeah this is the sixth one that Nick's done up there for the uh, RTAC he's coming so, the RTAC yeah um, so, so yeah RTAC is only in this area right now because it came from London but it's far as I know only place in North America or only place in Canada I don't really know that answer. That's a, that would be a Dr. Nick question. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, I mean, from him coming from the attack group uh, from overseas or from the UK, when now he's started doing the attack here with his 
Uh, how, how long has he been living up here? Do you remember since he moved to Nelson? Six, six or seven years. Yeah. Yeah, because um, yeah, the attack group's been going for quite a while now. I think they've developed their training for over, over the past 20 years. Right? But Didn't read that out of a manual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he was stolen as well. Stolen? Yeah, I think you just been, uh, where's the paragraph? Where's the paragraph? Uh, oh, but it 20 is years. It's by large uh, international facility, you know. <laughs> Um, so yeah our attack is, this is the sixth time it's being held in Canada uh, as we said Dr. Nick Sparrow brought it out here and um, he did a bunch of work it sounded like he did a bunch of work in South Africa yeah he did some uh, did some time up there as well yeah. it's like, I was like I haven't seen a lot of gunshot wounds really like 23 of them or something yeah that's South Africa <laughs> 23 more than I've seen <laughs> so that's yeah. uh, so I mean if um because the RTAC stuff is more, it's the simulated stuff, right? It's the, it's going in, it's doing the scenarios, it's running through, you were saying, so they were doing a talk first and then you had a scenario based stuff after the fact? Was that Yeah, like for example, like first day, um, start off really, easy. well, first day was, uh, we did some lectures on mechanism of injury, safe approach. Uh, so basically the standards first day stuff that we, we all learn, whether it's first aid or whether it's free fire, we all learn, you know. You gotta understand what the situation is. March approach. Yeah, um, what the situation is and what the safe approach is, and then we started on the. Todd just said the March approach. So rather than A, B, C, D, like we're all used to, so airway, breathing, cir- circulation, deadly bleed or delicate spine, depending mm-hmm. on what you're learning it from. Yeah, change. Yeah. Um, they change it to March. So March uh, is first one is massive hemorrhage, because massive hemorrhage. If you have massive hemorrhage, doesn't matter if you're if you if you have an airway, you're gonna bleed out faster. Right. That's right, exactly. So fix a massive hemorrhage first because it's easily fixable. Well, fairly easily fixable. So we did that. So that was kind of our first skill station. And of course, all basically what that is is tourniquet wound packing and not even direct pressure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, DDT. Yeah. So direct pressure. Direct pressure doesn't work. Put more direct pressure on. If that doesn't work, put a tourniquet on. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, Todd and I were looking at each other because it it's basically what stop the bleed is. So the first, like, hour or two it was actually nice because it was like okay it wasn't like i didn't feel like i was drowning right away <laughs> i'm like yeah, i can i'm i can I'm swim actually, a little bit I'm yeah. a, I, I can swim through this i know how to do this so you know that was it was good because it, it also reinforced the stuff we bring up and stop the bleed because stop the bleed's a free course so sometimes I, and i know it's a good thing but it, like sometimes you're like you want that reinforcement from someone exactly of their caliber it was really it was really nice going through there the March assessment um, uh, being such a big part of the RTAC course, uh, learning from Dr. Nick and somebody from his experience level and the attack group experience level, it just reaffirms a lot of the stuff we're doing in the, in the stop the plea. That was really, really nice to hear. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was literally the first skill station. And like I said, the first scenario we go to without, well, I was going to say without giving anything away, but <laughs> give some stuff away. Um, you know, we had a, I think we had a chainsaw. One station was a chainsaw wound. Um, that was a little bit disheartening at first because uh, one of the, like, there was a guy coming, there was a guy running around and he was like the, he's like the facilitator. Like he, so he'd run around and make sure all the things were running on time and make sure all the props were set out and stuff. So the chainsaw had died, but they wanted to make the chainsaw run. So I, our group comes around the corner. It's because of the Husqvarna, not a still. <laughs> <laughs> so I come around the corner and, and there's a guy like 
cranking with a chainsaw. And these were all actors. So this guy's going to the chainsaw. He's like, over this girl who's bleeding and screaming. I'm like, Scott's ready for a takedown. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, like yeah. I'm like, well, we just learned about scene safety. I ain't safe. <laughs> so I kind of sat there for a second. We're all like, what is going on? And then he's like, he quickly sees us coming. He's going to quickly put the chainsaw down and runs. I'm like, oh, I see. It's like, she had the chainsaw. Okay. <laughs> So the chainsaw one, um, huge arterial spray, like from Royal, just uh, bleed. They had essentially similar um, stuff that we use for stop the bleed. Yeah. Like the, yeah. Um, basically the exact same pumps we use, but they had, they did a couple little extra things, which I like. I'm going to try. Yeah, just some different, uh, different types of uh, clear tubing or surgical tubing. Um, suction tubing that they used to connect the, the sprayer to the wound site to make it actually spray or flow. Uh, that was cool. And it was cool nice because... Overlays. Yeah. Yeah, they had nice overlay, like um, like kind of latex overlay, so it would squirt out, and so the pants were kind of ripped, so you'd see the blood squirting out of the, uh, like the wound. Mm-hmm. And I really like the fact that with the surgical tubing, like later on in one of the vehicles, they, they actually ran the surgical tubing out of the vehicle, and so the instructor was like 15 feet away, and then so when we came up, we look in the window, and it's like... Like all this blood sprays on the wind window on the inside, and we're like, oh, what the? <laughs> so this blood's like spraying everywhere. We open the door, and it's like, but the meanwhile, the surgical tube is running out. Yeah, you don't car. see the the big weed sprayer right beside it, full of fake yeah, blood, so, right? So it's not a, yeah, it's a lot more uh, realistic. Yeah, yeah. So that's there's a few takeaways just from that, just for training wise, it was really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back to the March protocol that we're talking about. That was the big push for the assessment. Um, so after the M, yeah. you spoke about the massive hemorrhages. Uh, a for the airway problems, right? So we'll identify those. So get that massive hemorrhage. That's going to be super time critical, right? Uh, airway, then R, respiratory, uh, C, then we're going to endure circulation, and then H for uh, head head injuries or other injuries. Uh, very similar to kind of what we've always done before with the um, um, hemorrhage control or the um, DABC yeah. that we did. Um, but the march is a, it's a I think it's kind of a catchier rhythm as well. Like, yeah, I found myself demonic, getting, yeah. I, I was like, ah, I'm not going to remember this. It's I, A, B, C, D, and you know, all that stuff I mm-hmm. remember. But no, I was like, oh, March. Yeah, it makes sense. And it's pretty cool because a bag, yeah, like, so they have these big backpacks, like massive backpacks. That's their medical bags. So we each, each group had one. They're about two grand each. About, yeah. With all well, stuff it's fully stocked, yeah. Yeah. So you, un- you unzip it and then it flops open and then there's actually big, um, like, clear like similar to what the ambulance carries, um, clear pouches inside. But what he had done he, is he put like M, A, R, C. Nice. So at a glance, you're like, okay, I'm on the M. I need M. So you unzip it. Okay, there's tourniquets, there's wound packing, there's chest seals, there's all stuff we need for massive bleeding. Nice. Great idea. And then you're like, yeah. So it was like really easy to find stuff. When you're, you're in like, the shit. Yeah. Because you're, you're we're like, we need an OPA. Through you know, your head. Yeah. You're like, oh, I know, I need them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we need, like yeah, we need a, we need an airway. We need a, we need a, we need an OPA or an MPA in. It's like mm-hmm. that one, yeah. <laughs> the A. a. <laughs> it's like, there it is. So I mean, you could do that following the ABCs mm-hmm. as well. We were talking about that, but it's it's a nice approach because that style of kit, and we kind of briefly talked about over a beer about the kits as well. Like every first responder, like for me as a lone responder and stuff, like it's. I know my kid inside and out. I can describe to you where everything is. Mm -hmm. But on these types of scenarios, these high fidelity ones where the shit's hitting the fan and you could be tasking a bystander who said, hey, well, I know first aid and come up and help. Or another agency comes in and you can say, hey, in that kit marked M, grab me this. 
it's orange, right? Hmm. It's, it's a lot easier to delegate and they can find sure. it in that kit. Because I can tell you right now, if I whipped out my kit and asked you to grab, um, I don't whatever, you grab me a, a, a Sea locks or, or something, right? Or an eye gel, you're going to be flipping through that whole kit because it's not visible. The thing that looks like a penis. Yeah. <laughs> it's an eye gel. Looks like. I don't know why all the eye gels look like that. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. An eye gel is a superbiotic airway adjunct, anyways. But mm-hmm. you'd seen one that, uh, yeah. yeah, you saw one of that uh, cardiac call. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was March approach. Mm-hmm. Um, Couple other things. I, I think uh, one of the big things we talked about, because you know we were we were talking to Nick about stop the bleed, and he's like, he's like, how about stop the stop the heat? Because mm-hmm. you know make sure you're wrapping them, make sure you're wrapping on a blanket. And he's like, don't just put a blanket on top of them, because he goes, where's all the where's most of your heat getting dissipated into the ground? So wrap them in a blanket. So when you when you put them off, take them off um, the stretcher or whatever, or, or the uh, backboard or whatever. Mm-hmm. Put them on top of a blanket and wrap them. And they had these pretty cool blizzard blankets. They're like I really like the blizzard blankets. Um, I wanted to wrap myself in one and see if it actually was that good. <laughs> yeah, that was my it first like exposure was... <laughs> to them. I know some of the other guys who had other disciplines in like ski patrols and other um, search and rescue teams. I'm sure that they have exposures to them. Um, but all we carry on our trucks is regular flannel blankets or the, just the aluminum or not aluminum, but that little foil blanket. Yeah. So so this is like this is like a foil blanket on steroids. It's mm. got like um, air pockets, air pockets in it, and it's it you, know, you can yeah. you can fold it up really small. I mean, it's we use it multiple times. I'm assuming on a real call, you would only use it once. But, yeah, but, yeah. Patient so use, you yeah. wrap the patient up at the end of like it will look cocoon. So it look like a jiffy pop bag at the very end, by the end. <clears throat> and that's that's huge. And, and I like like Nick said, you know, you know, stop the stop the heat. Uh, and again, it's stop the heat know, loss. We should say one, one, one <laughs> of the, yeah yeah. It's one one of those catchy phrases because. In any sort of uh, trauma management courses, we, we do teach that, you know, that losing that body heat, that temperature is huge. So we want to be able to cover somebody up early in our assessments. Um, and that just reaffirmed it that, you know, we want to get out there and don't just cover them. So what's underneath them? Are they in cold snow? Are they in wet? Are they hemorrhaging? Now their blood's getting cool. It's just sucking that heat out of them. And when you're hemorrhaging, you're hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging the blood, but you're also losing your heat in the blood very rapidly. So, and actually, our own, um, our own mat, like our local mat, mat, rope mat. What do I call that? <laughs> yeah, go rope mat. Yeah, so Matt came with us um, from our department, and you know he's a paramedic as well. He also uh, works uh, ski on uh, ski hill, and he had actually he had a little th- thing that he does for when they are waiting for the ambulance to come. Which actually the guys in this course really like because Matt said, you know, I what I do is I lay down a, a spine board, is I lay some blankets down on top of the spine board, then I put then we put the clamshell on top of that or the scoop, what do they call it? The scoop. They call it a scoop or a clam, yeah. Yeah. So then we put the clamshell with the patient on top of that, then we then we wrap everybody up in a nice little nice little package, so they're they're the um, backboard is a a barrier between the snow because they're usually on snow, but it would also be good on concrete. Or asphalt, so that you got the ba- the barrier. Then you have the blankets and more barrier, and you wrap them all in this nice little cocoon. So he said, uh, "What was he say?" Then when the paramedics come, he's like, "Here's your Christmas present. You're welcome." Yep. It's, all, <laughs> it's all wrapped up, ready yeah, to go. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really uh, really good. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. And that you know, I've always practiced. You know, trained to 
train and practice and plan to be ahead when you when you're making small movements and that's huge for us for as when you were packaging a patient we like them in that cocoon so we can wrap them and then when we transfer them from our stretcher to the hospital stretcher or from that hospital stretcher to x-ray ct table it's an easy blanket slide too right mm-hmm. those those are used for lifting devices so if you can get all the wet stuff and dirty crap out from under them and have a blanket under them like the way matt was describing with the clamshells that's perfect it's a yeah. win for everyone yeah and he was even saying you could uh like <clears throat> just as they arrive you could actually um, if you don't want to lose your gear, <laughs> you could undo the clamshell so that basically they'd be kind of dropped out of the blanket. <laughs> then you re-put the clamsh- their, their clamshell in and then wrap them back up and yeah. take them. Yeah. Nice. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, the other good thing when you was mentioning about like blizzard blankets and stuff, um, part of the assessments, everybody always forgets to check the back. Uh, on trauma patients yeah. so you check the chest and everything else and the pelvis and go down then you throw a blanket on and you keep them warm but nobody's really checked the back yet so by getting that blanket under them you have to roll them up and then you've got that good that screen exposed. you can put your hands on and expose their back and mm-hmm. then roll them back onto this now clean warm dry blanket right. so that was a, that's a really nice approach as well nice so <clears throat> I know that uh, when we all went up to the ATAC course previously, I know that Dr. Nick was screaming about tourniquets and making sure that we all have them. Was there anything else, any other cool shit that you ended up getting to see? Uh, Todd probably saw a lot of this stuff before, being, uh, out of, being a paramedic for so long. Um, there's some new stuff like I hadn't seen. Like I, hadn't, I haven't used a pelvic binder before. Mm-hmm. Um, pelvic binder, Todd can explain that better than I can probably. Yeah, so pelvic binder... <clears throat> We've always bound the pelvis um, in the pre-hospital world for the ambulance service, but in a very shitty way. <laughs> and you know, I until, until very shitty recently. And three. we're finally, we have our devices. There's, there's many devices, but our particular one is called T-Pod. And um, essentially, you look at it as it's a tourniquet for your pelvis. It looks like a girdle. Pretty much, okay. yeah. So you can picture the, the that that teapot yeah. looks like a girdle. Yeah. And there's there's that other brand we practiced with that had the very similar strings that looked like a girdle. Yeah. And then there's another one that the Sam Sam makes. Yeah, Sam that makes. looks like a weight belt, like a weightlifter would wear. Yeah, I guess and it, and it just cams over, and then I actually got better. Down, <laughs> but it's easier to use. <laughs> yeah, the teapods were nice because it's a nice wide strap yeah. by the pelvis, right? Yeah. And you're going by the head of the the. Yeah. Femur, um, but essentially we have so many uh, vessels and arteries, you know, in that pelvic area. So if you have an open book pelvic fracture, which means it's exactly like a book. When you open your book up, it opens wide. That's what your pelvis is doing. It's it's opening. Look what we did to that deer when we shot that deer. Yes, <laughs> pretty, exactly, pretty, pretty much. So for those hunters out there, yeah, <laughs> you're creating an open book fracture, so you're cutting it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. You lose so much blood there, you can bleed into that cavity so quickly. So it's essentially, it's it's just a tourniquet for your pelvis. And uh, any sort of sus- uh, suspected injury or or traumatic injury to cause some hemorrhaging, we want to be putting a pelvic girdle on. Yeah, so that uh, there's a so pelvic girdle was one. Uh, pelvic girdle. Pelvic binder. <laughs> pelvic binder was one. Um <laughs> Kind of a cool, couple of cool little splints. Traction splints. Yeah, yeah, traction splints. Or traction splints. Yeah, so um, locally in this province, they use, what's that? What's that? Splint oh, trying to, I can't remember the name of it now. It was really cool because it folds up like a... No, not uh, the one that we use. What's the one that we actually are, they, 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 they give us to use? Anyways, the one they give us to use, it actually goes on the inside of the leg and 
uh, Matt was telling me a story on the ski hill when he was first started working on the ski hill. The uh, they put the splint on this person's leg and it was hanging over because it was hanging over to get traction. They blowed him up in the ambulance and they the paramedics slammed the door. And he goes, the scream that came from the ambulance was like, he's like, I can remember it right now as I'm telling you this story. Because <laughs> the door hit the splint. So not only did it cram the guy's femur back into, like, the position it was in earlier where it really hurt, also the splint hit him in the, in the groin. <laughs> <laughs> when, you're, when you're applying it, make sure everything is out of the groin area. Yeah. Insult to injury. That's harsh. So this other splint, which, which we can't remember the name of it right now, it's a, it was a tactical something. Because we were making fun oh, of it. No, I can't cool. remember. Um, we were making fun of it. Everything was tactical because it was black. <laughs> so, um, but it was way easier. It actually folded up like a tent pole. So it was super okay. small once it folded it folded up like a tent pole, and then you can unfold it, and then you have these straps, and it goes on. One goes on the ankle, one goes on like the upper, like thigh area, and then you you traction it, and it's for um, like mid shaft femur break. So then mm-hmm. it pulls the femur back. So if the femur's broken, it pulls it back into place. Huh. And what that does is it makes the wound cap, like, I'm going to call it a wound cavity, even though it's not really a cavity, but it makes that cavity smaller so it can't bleed in. Yes? Well, so, so, so essentially what it's doing, so it's applying traps, and so you're going to you go high and tight in the, um, uh, so the sagger. Sagger, there you go. For the ambulance, what we currently use. The one that goes, goes in the groin. groin yeah. <laughs> um, and for our policies, we have to use on a stable patient. We can use them for a, uh, for moral knee or tib fib. Uh, whereas this one, it was just, uh, it's an external, uh, splint, same goes, goes really high on the pelvis and the groin strap and then your ankle, then you apply the traction, uh, and then you strap two straps above the knee to blow. And so, uh, if you've got your fracture, it's going to be pulling that bone back into place and because we don't want that jagged bone, you know, fucking shit up basically in the, in the cavity. And, um, it's not essentially making it smaller, but it's. It's just realigning and closing everything. Yeah. Like, from what I understood, like, it was because you bleed more into the hole that was created in when you realign. Well, because those, those bone fragments are so sharp. Yeah. Right? Oh, so, yeah, so right. and they stick up, it's any movement, it's going to really start <laughs> yeah, digging things up. Yeah. Yeah. I so wish I could remember the name of it. That was a really cool, very cool spot because it, it folded up so small. Yeah. It was like a little tent, uh, tent pole bag. Yeah. Um, and then the other cool thing that I hadn't seen before, I think you'd seen, was the Lucas. Uh, oh yeah, the Lucas, yeah, yeah, for um, CPR, a couple different ones out there. Um, Lucas is neat. Um, it's uh, so essentially, if you're doing CPR, just to free somebody up. What's that one? That's the. Oh, yeah. That, so that's basically it. yeah, it's the traction tactical traction splint TTS. That's exactly the yeah. same. Yeah, let's let's get thing. Ash was just yeah, uh, that's pretty, yeah, yeah, pretty close yeah. to what it is. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think that's the other one. That one there is the other one. That, that other one? He didn't really like, two styles. Yeah, he didn't really like that one. Because it came, cause, cause it came it apart. Because pieces. Yeah, yeah, the pieces are all up. Because right. I recognize that little tail end on that, in the bottom mm-hmm. there. Yeah. But but it, that's very similar to what... Same idea. Yeah, very similar to what we're talking very about. Very cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really like it. And sort of, you know, while we're on that splint, traction splint device again, is um, like we talked about uh, first responders, you know, splinting is part of their practice, but the traction component, that was questioned so um what, that's a question for a lot of agencies to see like well can you be applying this or yeah. one thing i brought up uh at we actually did a lot of talking at the bar <laughs> um one thing i i had mentioned to nick at the bar that uh, when we were we, i mean we weren't like 
hardcore drinking. We were, we were out, out having a, like a dinner, basically a pub, I guess is a better term for it. Not yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> so, um, cause we were talking about how, you know, there's a lot of differing, uh, levels of certi- certification. Yeah. So some people scope practice, they didn't allow them to do instructions. Some people mm-hmm. weren't, some people aren't allowed to push drugs. Some people aren't allowed to do this. Um, some people have like level one, like what we call level one first aid, which is like literally not much. They can do CPR is about it. Maybe apply a bandaid. Um, but, but that's about all you can do at level one. <laughs> so, um, what we, uh, what I said to him, I said, well, on a, on a, if you think about it on a structure fire, who, how many guys are actually putting out the fire? How many guys are actually on a nozzle mm-hmm. spraying water? Like two or three people are actually doing that. It's a fire. We're fighting fire, but what are all the other guys doing? So if all everybody in there, everybody knows, we all know what the guy, the guy in the nozzle is doing and we're all supporting him. So even if you have like a level one, that's a good thing about this course is even if you had level one training, you knew what all the stuff was now. So you knew, oh, I, th- I think the paramedics going to need mm-hmm. a, a pelvic binder next. I know what a pelvic binder is. A lot more awareness and of the tools in the kit, yeah. Yeah, so you, I can hand it, to, I can, I can hand stuff to Todd because he has a greater scope of practice. I know what he wants. I'm like, here you, you go. I didn't put it on. I had it to him. It. Yeah. And I literally think you could put this. We were talking about that. We could put the splint on because we're allowed to splint. Like certain levels are allowed to splint. Mm-hmm. And then as long as the person that has a scope of practice applies attraction, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, that's one reason why this course was really good because we had all different levels of people there and everybody learned something about like how to, like how devices work, maybe something you hadn't seen, something you hadn't thought of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about the, uh, the scenarios as well. Cause I know you did a bunch of, of vehicle pieces for this. Was it yeah. MVIs, rollovers? Is that? The yeah, case? there's uh there's a, a fair amount of rollovers. There was actually, so there was a bunch of ped trucks, some pedestrian yeah, trucks. Some ped trucks, cyclist trucks were slightly entangled, uh, rollover, drug overdoses. Uh, drug overdoses in the car, car was sealed up. That was interesting. Chainsaw Todd yeah. incident, yeah. active shooter scenario. Yeah, yeah there's only a uh, very limited amount of shooting, like active shooting stuff. Um, yeah. Oh, and then, yeah, then we did another, um, what was that other one? There's a, I think it was just an E2H and uh, went in cardiac arrest. Right, with a knife. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And then someone, oh, fall from heights. There's a couple of fall from heights. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. A couple other. Quite a few then. Yeah. Over the three days. There's quite a few scenarios. Yeah, yeah basically, like I said, every time we did a lecture, we'd be like, okay, oh, oh we go. And scenarios. <laughs> so it's like, um, the drug overdose one was interesting because uh, actually Todd ran on our group. He ran lead on that one. He was mm-hmm. the lead on that one. And yeah, right away, we were like, Car was parked. People are like passed out. Everyone, of course, and everyone just wants to run, all want to run and start doing our stuff. We just got trained. Todd's like, "Everybody, relax, stop." He's like, "Why is why are these people just passed out in this car? <laughs> Let's take a quick look." So then we're, we're we slowly open the door. Everybody's okay. We open the door. We open more doors. And, well, before we open up, we look through the windows, make yeah. sure there's no obvious uh, uh, gases. So, like, first concern yeah. is chemical suicide, which we talked about, right? Yeah, yeah. So make sure there's no signs. If they're nice enough to put a sign up <laughs> to yeah. not open the door, which some people may Maybe. have encountered. Um, so then finally we open the door. We start doing a patient assessment. And Todd said to me, he's like, hey, take a look around for any drug paraffin. And like, so I'm looking around. And yeah, sure enough, white uh, white substance in a little baggie on the on the, on the dashboard. Oh, like white substance. And then we, now we're like, okay, now we're like thinking, okay, now it's a drug overdose. So we... Start pulling them out, pull out of the car, start administering uh, Narcan. Well, 
like knock on wood. And then the, then the signs of life started doing various things. Like some people would crash, some people would get better, and yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it was good. Then they, they tested the different license levels too. So the one was just, uh, we applied the naloxone, they resuscitated him. Uh, he came up, he was slightly combative, and then he went back on the nod. They had to uh, re-administer more naloxone. The other patient, they administered uh, naloxone fairly quickly at a large dose, and the instructor was a nurse so she's like no okay now you have this now you have that she's sort of throwing other things on made them made them actually vomit and aspirate and yeah a few other things so it got people thinking it was good interesting did uh, did you guys restrain before you not brought them back uh no we, we i no. we were cautious because uh, you know we all so i one of them i said yeah when you narcan watch out don't put your head over that person because i punch in the face <laughs> <laughs> I did restrain the one girl though, the girl, the the, the drunk girl with the knife wound. Mm. I grabbed her, and she was trying to uh, kind of fight away. Suicidal, from wasn't it? That one. I can't remember if she's suicidal or just got stabbed. I thought she just got stabbed in the kidney or something. Oh, okay. So she was trying to get, she's getting combative, and so I, I didn't have her an armbar, but I ended up like kind of walked up. Scott's <laughs> <laughs> taking any actors. <laughs> Tackling chains with well, I was like, you know, I was, I was holding her, and then she, she resists. I'm like, don't. She's like, okay. And then she stops. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about that. They're like, it's important controlling your scene. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure every state or country or province has different rules on restraining people. But, you know, like, at the end of the day, you got to make your scene safe, you know, and you got to do that's part of your assessment. And she had yeah. a weapon on her. Once we, we yours, yeah, we put they found the exposed the uh, wound and they're like ah knife. <laughs> There's a knife in her back, like waistband. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so you got you have to do what you can to control them safely, right? But also control control yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there was a lot of MVI stuff, and, which is good because that's really why we're there. That's really our bread and butter for rescue stuff right uh is mbis and and falls from heights and yeah um, cardiac there was a few cardiac arrests um, yeah we did some cardiac arrest management uh adults and pediatrics yeah and then yeah one of the kind of the, one of the big scenarios we did on saturday was active shooter which is you know i mean it it, it was a good segue into our um, trilogy yeah i think that's a big thing was we started talking a lot about um um the smart approach for um, triaging and stuff. And that's the model we use up here. And it, it worked really well. Um, and then it was actually funny because really we hadn't been, um, we hadn't got the triaging lecture yet. Mm-hmm. I think they just wanted to see what we do. And it was, because you were the first group through out of the four. Yeah. It was interesting. The lecture, yeah. Cause right? the way it was organized, it was like my group happened to be the ones going in as a rescue task force, which is uh, kind of the newer model of you, uh, the firefighters going with the police. Into we the, had talked about it before. Actually. Yeah. We talked about yeah. it. Yeah. So Working the firefighters. The zone, yeah. 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 So we actually got to go in, like we put body armor on, went into the scenario. Um, there was four or five patients down and then uh, Todd's group was outside <clears throat> setting up the triage area. I don't think anyone told you how to set up the triage area, but no. So Todd understanding triage, he had laid out these tarps nicely, and you said a couple of people that suggested where the tarps should go. But for the most part, um, tarps were laid out. And then uh, me from teaching Stop the Bleed and some of the other stuff I do, um, we ran, went in right away. And it's like, no, we're not we're not treating people. Let's just rip them out. Like, there's, like literally, we're carrying these people out, like, like backdraft style. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're like, we're like, we just carried them out. Like, there was no very, very little, um, 
like checking anything. It was just like we saw a wound, tourniquet. Um, that person's in the black. Leave them, even though we didn't. We took them out, but um, take them out, get them out to triage as fast as you can. Yeah. Apply so, apply the a march assessment. Yeah, really march quickly, super quick. But you're not going to be sitting down there really dinking around on an airway issue. Like yeah. it's it's a quick assessment. So our so it went really well because our you know we we had them all out in I'd say three four minutes. Every all the patients fast. were out. Yeah. To these guys, and we had triaged them all, and then uh, then the the ambulances started coming. They kind of the quasi fake ambulances started coming, and then the the drivers would come up and be like, "Who do you want?" And we'd be like, "That this one, that one, that one next." So it worked really well because, um, and I think we we definitely had a little one up too because we have already discussed you know how you are going to triage people and had that savviness, and then to a casualty collection point, and that's where we were. Yeah. Well, I was in charge of the casualty collection point when you guys started dragging your your victims out to us. Um, and I think even when you first drug your first one out, uh, you called over to me and said, come to me, grab this. And he said, this, he's a red. And yeah. you turned around and back, went back in real quick and we grabbed yeah. ours and we started delegating our clients or our patients off to the, uh, uh, red zone for criticals, yellow, and then walking wounded, uh, greens. So it worked, yeah. worked well. Let's, let's touch on that a little bit as well. Cause I know that we discussed it in one of the other episodes, I think actually on the ATAC when we were talking about it on the ATAC previously, but just about that zoning thing and and how that kind of white, uh, white green. Not, not white. <laughs> yeah. No, I was thinking of the white. The other yeah, you're thinking of the uh, color code. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah, I when when we did it without getting the the lecture on tourniquet, so we what was the smart approach? Yep. We we haven't had that lecture yet, so I was going by what um, I learned in the ATAC, which was I was going by like penetrating injury tourniquet wound that has stopped that is uh the tourniquet has worked so i was doing it slightly wrong but i was but it's still everybody still worked out where they needed to go well, i think we put one in the wrong zone i put one in the yellow that needed to actually be in the red but i didn't want to move her she had a, a stomach wound um so um gave it handed over to todd but um with the smart approach pull you out of there yeah well i just pulled yeah i pulled up briefly so this this is just a very rough one, but uh, we'll simply talk about the triage for like, the coloring. Um, so black, when we triage people, that's, you know, they're either deceased expectant, or they're expecting to pass away. That doesn't mean they have a baby coming. That means they're expecting to die. <laughs> expecting to die, exactly. <laughs> um, so, and then the reds are, are what we consider our time critical, or, or P1s, right? Priority 1s. Our um, yellows are priority 2s, and our greens are priority 3s. Uh, so it's either some agencies will call them P1, P2, P3s, and others just go st- state by the colors. This, this is a red, this is a, a yellow, this is a green. Um, so the the greens are, if they're able to uh, walk and ambulate on their own, um, take direction, boom, you're green, off. They could be reassessed and re-triaged to a higher category if things start crashing, which lots of times they will. But in that very moment of getting them out of that warm zone, you're a green, you can walk, hey, walk over there. If somebody's stumbling and they're still co- like incoherent, but they're moving, I'm going to task this other green to, hey, help him walk over to that area, right? <clears throat> so a bit of that kind of bullhorn triaging, bullhorn marshaling that we've discussed in the past. Um, yellows as well. So yellows, a little bit more to it. If you're um, not obeying commands, if you can't walk. Um, and then reds, uh, respirations uh, greater than, or less than, greater than 30, cap refill, uh, less than, less than two, two to three seconds. Three seconds. And, uh, more, more, or, than two, yeah, more than three seconds. More than, more three than, seconds, more than two sorry. seconds. 
and can't follow commands at all. So no inability to follow commands. So they're right, they're critical. Um, and that comes down with your visual assessments as you're walking out. Like we had one who had a GSW to the head, um, but we checked and said, oh, no, his, his airway's clear. So at that point he's unresponsive, but his airway was clear when we moved it and he was still breathing. So at that point in time, he's still a red, He's not quite a black yet, but we had a heated discussion about, well, you know, we know he's expecting, he's going to be expecting to die. Yeah. So some rates are dropping. Probably. Yeah. Uh-huh. Some at that very moment, he's a red, but very quickly, he's going to go to a black. So we pulled him out as a red. They started uh, assessing him, packaging him. And uh, then as our, we reassessed, the instructor said, no, this is the vitals now. So he started going into that black. So we said, you know what? stop working on him, move resources. And we had two guys, well, well no, he's still this. So we, we got lots of people. We're going to start resuscitating. Like we have two kits, two bag valve masks and six, seven patients, like move it, moving on. And uh, so then we discussed the, how hard it is to actually make those calls. I was going to say, I think that's probably going to be the toughest thing to grasp for a lot of new people coming yeah. into it is being able to identify that and having the balls to say, mm-hmm. nope, you're done. Yeah. Like, yeah. it sucks, but there's higher probability of a save over here. And it, like exactly, the same with, yeah. the, with the lower resources, if you only have X amount of equipment, I mean, to use all of that on this guy that's already failing. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, in a, per- in a perfect world, could you get that guy back? Yeah. Maybe. You know, and I was thinking, but, uh, I was thinking about the triage when we were driving back. And that call, the actual, the real call we had at the beginning of the year with that fatal oh, accident yeah. we had yeah. and in the snowstorm and uh, you came yeah. um, from where you work um, on the paramedic, mm-hmm. on the ambulance, um, he, Todd had come up and um, I was the officer on scene and we put, I put my head in the car and Todd was in there and he's like, and I, you, I don't, you, I think you used a different term, but you, he's like, basically this guy's black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, who's priority? And like, and I hadn't learned the triage methods yet. And Todd's like, that one next, that one after. And then there was one guy who was in, like, it was two vehicle MBI. And yeah. the other guy was just walking around. So he was already mm-hmm. in green. He was already mm-hmm. like, he was already kind of forgotten out of my mind. We I mean, just tasked somebody, somebody else to babysit him. To babysit him, sit him down, yeah. make yeah, sure. Yeah, that's right. Somebody else. Yeah. I think a passerby even. Uh, I think it was one of the, one of the, one of the police officers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, one of the police officers sat with him. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was like, it was already like, you and already, we had a triage, and that was a, that was technically a mass casualty, right? It was, yep. a, it was four mm-hmm. patients, so, um, and it was a triage, but it was a triage without moving him anywhere. It was like, every, we just triaged in the car, like, yep. this person's staying, that person's going, and then, yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody over two? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Any patients? It was over two, two I, th- I thought it was over three. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> so um, anything over two is a mass, is classed as a mass casualty? Is that Yeah, right? I mean, it's, it's subjective, but you think of, you know, one kit, one ambulance, right? Uh, so anybody over two patients, you know, now, well, two to three. So now you got three patients, you're running out of stuff. You don't have enough bodies. You don't have enough kids. Um, I want to say there was a, other than the good doctor there, (laughs) um, the other instructors like Todd alluded to, one was a nurse. Um, and I like the fact that the instructors were really high level instructors. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like some but he's grandma who just decided to become a first aid instructor. It was like, these people were in the field. And one of the, one of the guys there, he's like this badass flight surgeon or not flight surgeon, flight medic, yeah. um, when he works in the States, flies everywhere. Um, but I like the way he, cause we, we, we basically just overloaded you guys with all the stuff we learned, all these, you know, these procedures and stuff. And he would just be like, he goes, when you walk in, does that person look sick? If he looks sick, he's sick. He's like, if you look at the leg, 
that don't look right. There's something wrong with that. We don't need all these other things. He's like, there's something wrong with that. Let's fix it. <laughs> like, it wasn't yeah. like you have to do all this other stuff. He's like, he's like, sick, not sick. He's like, doesn't look right. Looks right. Okay. <laughs> it was, it was like, like you have to say, it was like laid it out for us. It's like, okay. Yeah, you got <laughs> it. made it so much easier. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you walk up on scene, you're like, that didn't look right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know what? That's, is, I, I chuckled when he, when he said that because, uh, I was taught that years ago when I worked at the coast from, again, I, I was fortunate. I had really good mentors in the advanced life support community at my stations and I learned a lot from them and, and you learn that over time and they helped teach that with us as well. And you'd walk in and it's that, that first instant, it's sick or not sick. Like you said, you look, hmm, that doesn't look right. <laughs> Keep the other resource coming until you figure it out. Right. So that was, that was awesome to see that people are thinking that. Yeah. So all those scenarios that we're talking about that led us to the final day. And it was funny because we got, we got given this course plan, um, this, the course, like the whole course outline, which I'm showing you guys right now. Um, so we, you know, we're flipping through, we're looking at, oh, we got this, oh, we got the uh, respiratory skills and we're looking at it. And then the final session is, Carl, you can read what that's called. So we're all, we're all looking at that going, <laughs> so, Armageddon. So the final, <laughs> the final sim that we can see is coming. It's, it's called Armageddon. And we're like, what is this? <laughs> so, and we know they have a lot of actors because there's, you know, there was already six or seven. Yeah. Well, next thing we're out at lunch and we see more actors start rolling in. We're like, mm-hmm. Some strollers walking. Yeah, stroller. we, so we don't know, like, all these people still show up. We don't know how many people are actually being patients. We're like, oh, what's going on here? And then fire trucks start driving up to the training area. And it's like, all right, so we're all sitting there. And I'm kind of a jerk because <laughs> I go to, uh, uh, the person that came with Todd, he's a he's a deputy chief. <laughs> so of course he's the only guy in the whole place with a white helmet on. <laughs> so and we're all like debating who's going to be the IC for this next one. So I'm like, ah, uh, like it's going to be him. He's a white helmet. I'm like, let's volunteer him. So we're all <laughs> point at him, point at him. So Nick comes down, divides his offender groups. He's like, all right, well, Scott, you're going to be the IC for this. I'm like, no. Oh. <laughs> so, but it, I actually I kind of like being the IC because it's uh, I mean again you just decentralize your command and like uh how do you eat an elephant you eat it one bite at a time right so just decentralize my command so what did i do right away i got the got the guys that came with us i made them all captains of the trucks <laughs> except for one guy i think because there was another uh, guy in a red helmet that i mm-hmm. saw who i didn't really know but I, I he seemed like a really switched on guy and he was also a red helmet so i'm like okay you're in charge of that team so we had ended up having basically four trucks and then i uh, went up top um it was a three vehicle mbi like basically every vehicle had multiple people in it. One rollover with it, yeah. Yeah, rollover in between, and two cars kind of wedged on either side. There's pictures on our Facebook. And I uh, walked up. I and I talk, got Todd. And I said, uh, "Can you do me a 360?" So he sent two guys out to do a 360. I sent one of the paramedics in to start doing triaging. And then I just looked at the three cars and I went, "I got four teams. There's three cars." So I just started calling, I'm like, Alpha, Bravo, and I, for some reason I did Delta on the one car, I didn't do Charlie, which was good, it worked out really well, because it, um, Charlie happened to be Todd's team, and so while I'm getting the Alpha, Bravo, and I kept I kept Charlie's in reserve, so I'm like, you guys are in reserve. So while I'm watching everybody else work, Todd, thank God, <laughs> took it on himself, I think, mm-hmm. and with you yeah, and Matt. Yeah, triaging everybody. So Todd said, yeah. okay, he's like, well, we need a triage center, so they started laying tarps on the ground for us. And he comes to me, he's like, hey, triage. He goes, yellow, red, green, green's over there. We actually had to change green because it was, someone had a broken ankle, one of the greens, so we had to not carry them so far. And then, yeah, as patients started rolling out, it was perfect. Like, um, 
And I, I really like, I'm like, I gotta take a step back. So I, so I did my, like, what does Bob call it? His palette. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I took my step back on my palette and just, you know, I, I put Todd, I think Todd's in charge of the triage center. Um, and then I would just go around and check on everybody and mm-hmm. it flowed like so smooth. It worked for my team. I mean, the first thing I did too is, uh, uh, I made the Steve or Steve Lee Grant, uh, no. turned him into our second, <laughs> second IC. And, uh, we just started delegating, uh, it worked, worked very well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and basically every car, like I, I could just literally go to the team lead. What do you got? I got this and this and this. And everybody, since this whole course, everybody works so well together. So everybody was just working and having the teams that work together all weekend, they knew each other's skill set. So it just went out really well. And it was really good because one of the cars was all green. So like all those people are sitting up in the green pile mm-hmm. and then what is left one, um, one per one or two people with them. Then as resources yeah. started freeing up, we sent more over to start dressing their injuries, their yeah. uh, wrist fracture, ankle fracture, yeah. because we're limited kits again. It's always, you got to think of as a triage and treatment leader. Yeah. And, um, there was one thing that uh, Grant was good. Grant, uh, did a resource pile. So he piled all the kits up in a resource pile and put the backboards and stuff. So he's like, resources are here. Don't touch them unless you need them. So no one like touched them. And then yeah. we need more of it, like hand them off. Yeah. 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 Cause there's somebody had a kit sitting next to one of the cars. So. I grabbed it, went back, and then that's when we discussed, okay, where does this kit need to be deployed? We looked around, said, okay, this, there's one on the yellow, there's one on the red, um, they're using the other one on somebody else, we're going to put this one in reserves until needed. That worked out well. Out well. Yeah, and it's, it's so, it's such an easy thing to do, and uh, we, yeah, so there's a lot of take takeaways from that on uh, MCI that we can deal with, and I think we should train it in the hall more, because um, mm-hmm. MCI is, I mean, it's People say, ah, how, when is that going to happen? Because everybody thinks a major MCI, like a 40-person school bus. Mm-hmm. But like I just said, this year we had an MCI. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't probably need tarps laid out everywhere, but we triage, we use a triage system. And mm-hmm. uh, all it takes is, a you know, if 10 people, like a minibus were a little over. Well, <laughs> your, your triage system stays the same. That's the, it's so important. Yeah. And it's challenging for us in our smaller areas with smaller resources so sure, we might have a pile of fire guys sitting there on scene, yeah. but now we have no way of getting these people out. So we got to start thinking outside the box. Keep them warm. What are we going to do? What's the weather like? Yeah. Like we talked about making makeshift shelters if we're delayed. And we, right? got our, we got our rehab shelters on our truck mm-hmm, that we right. use for a rehab for our guys. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, just having to continually reassess yeah. if we're waiting for uh, the ambulance to arrive right yeah. because then as the scenarios are ongoing then uh, next thing uh, the the fake uh, like just the instructors would walk up they're like oh, I'm the first uh, ambulance crew who do you want who do you want and they'd come to me because I'm the IC they're like who do you want to go first I'm like talk to Todd because <laughs> I'm like literally like he's running the red tarp so talk to that guy he's going to give you a, run, a quick rundown of who, uh, the patient who goes first so mm-hmm. then Todd he'd give him the medical rundown and then they take that one and then uh, and then I actually Matt our Matt he was running yellow tarp, so because I'm like Matt, I need you to run the yellow. He's like, okay. So I said, I need you to you know, think of or know the medical issues when the next when the next crew start rolling in. So, mm-hmm. so as the instructors would roll in, and that worked really well because Todd would just give the medical history, maybe give what he's what his findings were, and then they take them. And it was like, yeah, because it was important. It was important to to float around if you're in charge of that you got. I floated from tarp to tarp, yeah. make sure people are reassessing. So if, if that category from yellow is going to change to a red or if red is going to go to a black, you know, we needed to know that. And I needed to pass that off to you to keep the paramedics and other agencies updated. 
Yeah. And we had one, we had one black in the car. So we just yeah. left him in there. Yeah. And yeah, on the way home, we were talking about how, like, we were talking about the MCI kits and like the stuff we need. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're doing a quick rundown. Well, like, and I said, you know, I think on our rescue truck, we have a red and a yellow tarp. Don't we? We do. I think for you. Yeah. And I'm like, and we use it to put tools and stuff on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in a pinch, we could put the red and yellow tarp down and be like, because we don't need a green tarp. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, go sit over there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like red, yellow, and black stays in the, usually stays in the position found. So it's like yeah. red, yellow, perfect. Like, so we already have that on our truck. And we just. Yeah, because green are going to be able to o- obey commands and, and. Yeah, we can put them pretty much. Delegate somewhere, yeah. right? Um, you know, in, in all of our uh, MCI units and stuff. We've got all that equipment to make nice little pretty areas. So you've actually got an entrance into your uh, right. uh, treatment area and then you'll delegate off to your tarps and yeah. it's fully coned and ribbon with the color. Yeah. But that, again, that's your textbook picture one, yeah. picture perfect one, but so the they, they never work that way, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's why it's important though, why we use the flag, colored flagging tape to like on a large scale yeah. uh, to actually uh, tie that onto the people yeah. then they know which area to go once you have one or two reds or yellows in an area everyone else is going to be switched on knowing where to take them so you're going to be fine but i like the idea of separating them enough so that way they're not too close together because uh, i think one of the instructors had said yeah if you if they're sitting too close together and, they, and one guy sees a tag and he might be like switch like oh i'm a yellow I take your reds because yeah, I want to go priority. They'll up triage themselves. <laughs> they'll up triage themselves. Yeah. Like people, especially the greens to the yellows or something. Because yeah, they want to go to the hospital, so they'll be like, yoink. <laughs> well, that's why we've gotten away from. It's dark. Uh, actually, <laughs> yeah, I can see it. That's why we've gotten away from some of those paper cards because before we used to just rip them off and you'd rip off your level, but then the higher level would be above you. So then they just. And then they rip too far, they go to black, and then uh, they just get ignored for the rest of the night. <laughs> so, let's, uh, what, two things that you, you can take away, and then one that you want to take away for training. So, two things that literally change the way you see things or do things, and then one that you're definitely going to be bringing back to to the training departments i think uh nick's i guess what we all saw his passion but mm. and just he's like change stuff like we're the only ones that can change stuff like you know um he's like do medical like you know get up your medical training um because you know people need help um but make the changes um and if like some of the stuff some of the stuff's a little screwy like we can't like certain uh Certain people aren't allowed to use uh, SPO2 monitors. SPO2, Literally, yeah. it's it's a totally non-invasive thing. Clips on your finger, tells you your pulse and your uh, O2 rate. Oxygen saturation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he said, you know, he says if you're if you're allowed to administer oxygen, you have to be able to tell what the oxygen is doing for the person. But every like a lot of levels of first aid are allowed to administer oxygen, but they're not allowed to use a stupid monitor. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which is literally non-invasive. <laughs> just just like your finger. Putting a peg on your finger. Exactly. Yeah. It, it doesn't go in your finger. It just goes on your finger. It's a little yeah. clip. Yeah. I mean, we've all had it done to us. Oh, in rehab, we all had it done to us. Oh, I was going to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've all seen it. We've all. But certain levels aren't allowed to use that thing. Why? Which is ridiculous <laughs> because you think like if you're getting into the medical responses, there's you're going to have those conversations. You're going to have that training experience. You're going to be looking at all the things that like you're going to be looking at cap refill. Like you're going to be able to look at somebody and find, Hey, sick or not sick. But that is another tool in the toolbox to say, Oh, that only says he's at 90% oxygen saturation. Well, no, his, his fingers are warm. It's, you know, his color, you know, like it just helps you 
for that picture, right? Yeah. yeah. So like, why? And then he's like, he's saying, why can't we use it? Like, we need somebody out there. To, and it was he knows we have a podcast, so you know he kept bringing it up to us, like, put that in your podcast. <laughs> so you heard it, you heard it here first, as he kept saying, yeah, we put it in the podcast. So if someone out there can uh, is a medical director or something that can push this stuff to like change it. Yeah. Well, the change comes from us, right? Yeah, the change comes from us, too. exactly what you're saying is it's, uh, you know, we're the ones that have to talk about it. We're the ones that have to get passionate and push it in our departments and to our chiefs and to our, you know, municipal leaders and go from there. Because it doesn't suddenly mean, like, getting higher level medical training doesn't suddenly mean we're going to be going on 100, 1,000 more calls a year. It means that we're just going to be better trained in, like, anything else. Like, Mm -hmm. we train hard on fire, we should train hard on medical. Um, right now here, it's a little hard to train hard on medical because a lot of our guys don't have that higher level of medical. So for practices, I would like to start working on, like, first of all, I want to start working on a little bit more medical training for us and, uh, that way I can work it into practices more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can, then, and then maybe later on, like we're at a base level, but we can maybe bring in the RTAC and bring up that base level enough just to help the paramedics to know what equipment they need. That mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Exactly. Yeah, so that's, I took that away, um, yeah, just make your change, make changes in the system because the system doesn't always work. Like I said, we're we're kind of behind in North America. And yeah, the other thing is yeah, the realism training. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we we do fairly realistic training already, but I think I get off our game even more. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to. Yeah, stay tuned for the next scenario. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think, like you said, it's it's being passionate like, like taking some of uh nick's passion and and just pushing that on to others and you know it's it's infectious like it's it's so good to see like just how he said like are we like cardiac arrest management when we talked about before yeah. like it's you know are we doing it right or are we doing it wrong in our area you know there's a lot of changes that we could be doing because yeah, we watch a video of our rialto fire yeah and so like boys. Yeah. like yeah like uh what's what's the saves for uh cpr up here their their stats i think it was 30 something percent yes. so national and then, averages and then their sorry yeah national their national or their state average was was like 30 ish 30 percent in their state and then their departments was 71 well, from cpr jump and, and, and uh rialto fire rialto fire, rialto yeah. fire. so they, they ran a call they ran a, like a fake call but they ran this call on this uh like in the hole and they showed all the stuff they did and like nick said it's not like one like it's not like they just it's just one thing they do that fixes it all because it's it's the little things like heads yeah. up CPR, which means like you actually tilt the person up a little higher. So they're, they're definitely innovators. They're taking up all these little things and yeah. they're they're compiling it. Yeah. yeah. So the heads up CPR, they got the uh, Zol. Yeah. So these are these are, these are, are uh, it's, it's a dual service. So these firefighters are um, a like sport paramedics as well. Clearly on this track for the, yeah, what they're see. doing. Um, and there's many ways, many different departments and, and EMS agencies are going to run cardiac arrest different for what types of drugs they push, when they push it, um, different devices, impedance threshold devices on the bag valve mass, so different types of uh, airways, whether it's an endotracheal tube or it's just a, a king or there, there's all these other a- adjuncts. But like you said, it's a bunch it, of stuff it, that goes on your throat. But it's all all these little things. He said it's all the little things. Like it's not just well, we do this and that's why it's better. So no, we're trying all these little things. Like you said, like maybe the heads up CPR and and planning head. Like they put them on that other stretcher that they had, and just yeah. for then when their ambulance arrives, like all these little steps. 
and they're having all these positive outcomes. So it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Even just hand up, handing over, changing um, uh, the radius, not your radius CPR, what do we call it? Um, oh, like we're not stopping anymore. No, the, uh, what's it called? High, um, High efficiency CPR? What is no, that? I can't remember the catchphrase for it. I don't remember. But either way, it was very aggressive, <laughs> a very aggressive CPR. So, um, to, just so, for us. So, like, so, so the, second I, the second I'm going to be stopping chest compressions, uh, Scott is, his hands are right beside me, ready to go. Boom, he's jumping on. You know, there's no delay. And, and, and there's some suggests like, do it. Don't, don't wait for the two minute. You know, we do the two minute, we do the two minute changeover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You could do a one minute changeover. Yeah, you do a one minute changeover. You just got to be ready. Just one minute. Cause he, because there's a, you know, some stats out there that say after a minute, First respect, even if you're in really good shape. Start getting fatigued. And I know, and I know, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm, okay, when's that two minutes coming? I'm watching the AD countdown, I'm like, ah, I'm getting tired. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. come on, okay, there you go. Well, and we all know the evidence is there for the time off chest. So once you stop those compressions, that's you know, it. your volume and everything, it just, everything starts depleting. So that's why it's so important to get back on that chest, get those compressions. Yeah. There's one interesting thing that I hadn't thought of is, uh, like, when, uh, when we're doing CPR, when we're doing chest compressions, and then it says analyze. Okay, we, we shouldn't be touching the patient then. And then, but as soon as the thing talks again, whether it says um, no shock advised, or get shock right advised. back. Mm-hmm. Or a shock advised, um, you know, they were saying, you know, how long does it take for that thing to charge? Mm-hmm. It Some take, what, 10, 10 seconds? Uh, six, yeah, six, some six, were up to 10 seconds, some were shorter. So what we'd always been taught is when that thing's charging, you're like, everyone's like this, right? Because the next thing is going to be a shock. Well, no, there's no shock going on when the thing's charging, but you've lost 10 seconds of, of effective chest compressions. So while it's going, you're back on, and then you're the one hitting the... Um, I, I like the fact the guy on the chest was the one hitting the, the, sh- the shock button, because then he's not on the chest, even though it's probably going to hurt, but it's not going not to kill you if, you if you get shocked while they... Yeah, that's one thing that we actually do in, in the ambulance world, is we do do that... that high efficiency CPR for that. High efficiency. There you go. Yeah. I finally <laughs> remembered it. Um, but yeah, so we've, we've been training for quite a while now. Um, as soon as that charge is, is it's going to be charging is to get back on that chest. Nice. In my experience, we definitely haven't been as fast as we were training this weekend to get back on the chest, which is a good kick in the ass to start doing. Yeah. But. It's still the chest. Unless something's telling you it's analyzing. Get back on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Solid. The other big takeaway, we didn't really touch about too much, about chest seals. Just... Yeah, so uh, we always talk every week about Stop the Bleed. Um, stop the Bleed's a great course, and um, we're going to keep pushing it. <laughs> um, but in Stop the Bleed, and I'm not really sure why. Uh, maybe, I don't know why, actually. I guess because it gets started a little bit more complicated. Um, but does it really? I don't know, I don't know why. It may, maybe, you know what, I'm going to email them and see. So in Stop the Bleed, we teach tourniquets to uh, limbs and uh, wound packing to junctional areas. So junctional areas being like the pelvis and, the, and like the, you know, the neck armpit. and the armpits and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you guys know, you guys took the training? You, you didn't, yeah. I have a But most of everybody in this room is taking the training. <laughs> um, so we teach tourniquets and wound packing, um, but there, we're missing the entire chest area and uh, literally a chest seal is the answer. <laughs> well, yeah, it's your chest, your, it's all it's your major cavities, right? So you're not going to be wound packing. You'll be packing a million things in that wound. It won't stop. And you're so going to jam the heart up. Chest seals is the place to be for that. Um, and like there was discussion, he said, he asked everybody in the room, he says, can first responders or can first aid attendants mean put, put a chest seal on? And some people don't really know what to say. It's like, absolutely. It's a dressing. There's nothing different. It's a dressing. Mm-hmm. 
you're not sticking a tube in the chest. You know, we're not doing a chest tube or finger thoracotomies or anything. It's, it's boom, slap it on, cover it up, go. It's like the advanced version of the what we learned in first aid. Probably some of you guys have learned. Hand. Like, yeah, you put your gloved hand, or you, you know, they always say, oh, you take the credit card or a plastic bag and you tape up three sides. Oh, yeah. It's like the advanced. It's like the the best version of that because it actually has its own one way valve in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them, like we looked at a bunch of different suppliers and some are better than the others and that was all kind of opinion based of of our instructors and stuff um some had small ports yeah some had small event ports uh, some had other larger ones uh there's some opinions on some will clot and uh, quicker and block but then um sometimes like you know you only have one chest seal on you and i mean there was a recent stabbing that they kept talking about like he's like yeah he goes i only had one chest seal on me but this person like a stabbing like todd and i were talking like a stabbing it's never just so one stab wound. It's usually like the, the what the sewing machine. Yeah, prison sewing machine. So you get like twenty stab wounds. Well, you get one chest seal, twenty holes. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's options that we can use. And actually, Todd, I like that option you were talking about. What you did, you've done before. Oh, with the opsites. Yeah. So that's yeah. Cool. So uh, <clears throat> so again, we we're talking about how what do you carry in your kit? How many tourniquets do you carry in your kit? How many chest seals do you carry in your kit? And a lot of people are like, oh, I have one tourniquet and one chest seal, or no chest seals. And he started saying, well, no, now I carry, you know, two or three tourniquets in my kit or two or three chest seals. Um, and then because like I said, you have multiple stabbings while well, you throw that one chest seal on the worst one. Now you have all the other holes you need to fill still mm-hmm. or plug. And, uh, what we used to do is actually before I get into that. So in our kits in the ambulance, the majority of the time we'd have one tourniquet in the, in the jump kit, one chest seal in, in the jump kit. Back of the car, one tourniquet, one chest seal. Sometimes we would fill up from the stock room, but not very often. <laughs> yeah, anyways. <laughs> and um, so what we would do is if we had another chest wound or, or a stab wound, um, offsite, so uh, clear adhesive dressing from what we'd use over an intravenous uh, start, uh, that would work well, but you have to have the blood wiped away. You'd have to have it clear. So we're also just peels off and doesn't stick so we would borrow from the hospital uh the large opsites and they worked very well they're a little bit stickier um and it would cover that wound up well so we'd always grab a couple of those but again that was through experience and from seasoned guys we learned that trick and the only problem is it doesn't have a uh, and it doesn't have a valve yeah. you just open it up yeah for the short term you can slap it on but again so now you look at some of the the tactical bags like that drop bag right there it's got two chest seals in it yeah. So start thinking about your own kit, what you carry. You know what? Maybe I should be putting a couple more tourniquets in, a couple more chest seals. Yeah, I want a chest seal now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want a couple chest seals. Yeah, it really makes it really <laughs> makes you think. Especially looking back at all the stabbings. Like a lot of the stabbings I did at the Lower Mainland, we would slap uh, the opsites on, and they'd be a uh, fix for a little bit. But then you start moving the patient around, bleeding comes out more, and they would get slippery and they'd leak and they'd fall. There was a lot of stabbings. Like yeah. they're you know they're guns are guns mm-hmm. and cannon aren't a thing that, that much like there are shootings obviously but stabbings mm-hmm. are yeah that's yep. like knife is a perfect weapon even yeah, mm-hmm. even stabbings and gunshots that we always talk about that's the worst case scenario but just life skills you're out in the bush mountain biking well, you know think what, about that one that video we saw yeah, that those mountain bikers we saw these mountain bikers in, the, in this course we saw these mountain bikers mountain biking the guy fell handlebar hit him in the in the like pelvic area severed his femoral artery in this yeah. t- and then he's, 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 he's like <laughs> so he sticks his finger in the hole and he managed to find the artery and pinch it off 
but he's bleeding everywhere, and the other guy's panicking. And it was well, somewhere well, in South America. Or something. That, that, one other guy, they actually he did a really good job. Like he totally self-exposed, yeah. and he started putting his hand on it and some padding on it, and was pushing on it, wasn't doing it. Uh, and he justice, so he put his knee on it, yeah. and then actually did the counter pressure as well, and grabbed him, yeah, and he pulled like him into him to yeah. apply more pressure, yeah. and so, end up saving his life. Yeah, I was actually talking to that guy I work with today because he he had just heard he had heard his hand mountain biking. I said, "Do you carry a wound packing or chest or anything with you?" He's like, "No." <laughs> so, anyways, I saw this video. <laughs> He's like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Yeah." The guy literally, and I'm like, "You know, you fall and maybe you don't hit the handlebar, but you fall and pill yourself on a." stick or something really you easily betcha. done yeah. like, like you know you're hunting in the woods you're how far away you're it really made places. it really made me th- rethink the kits that i'm carrying and even hunting like i look back at all just the little simple little trips out hunting yeah. mm-hmm. you know maybe i'd have a first aid kit in the truck uh anytime we did any big hunting trips or big trips i'd always have a full kit with me uh, we'd yeah. be fully prepared yeah. but then that kit is in your truck or in camp not on your person, right? So it's really made me think. And I've bought those two IFACs now for... Well, and I know ever since we did Stop the Bleeder, I know a few guys that are... A few of the hunters and a few of the guys that are going up chopping wood are Mm -hmm. starting to carry tourniquets on them. (laughs) Just from... Oh, yeah, that's a good that's a good idea. We should probably have an eye because they, you know, we show them videos of people bleeding out in 40 seconds. And Yeah. Yeah, good luck. You're up in the woods. Mm-hmm. And I think every good redneck has a good chainsaw story. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, and, you know, and everyone's always like, oh, I'll take my belt off. It's like... Yeah. I know I do. <laughs> but they're like, oh, I'll take my belt off. And we know the belt doesn't give you that pressure you need to... Exactly. ...to stop the bleed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah ever since I stopped the bleed course, I'm, I carry uh, two in my car now. In it's my good. backpack. It's working. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stopping the bleed. Tell's going right there. <laughs> and I've got inside some, pocket. Some sea oh, locks. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, mine's in my other jacket. <laughs> it's going to start coming in this jacket again. I usually have it in here. Um, yeah. Stop the bleed. <laughs> Are we ready to... No, our tack was great. Um, I was really excited to go there. Um, yeah, I think I kind of talked more about the, your top two things that you, you mentioned, but... Uh, the high fidelity sims, that high training environment, high threshold, like it makes you think it's good, it's realistic. Yeah. Train hard, fight easy was the other motto. Train weekend. hard, fight easy, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, we've, uh, I've talked to the doctor and he said he will uh, come on an episode. From all the episode ideas he gave us, he better come on. <laughs> um, well, we still have a lot more in-depth way of cardiac arrest stuff to talk about, too. Yeah, so we got a lot of list, a list of stuff, uh, but we're going to actually bring him on. Um, and, you know, maybe... I think You actually had a good idea, Carl. Maybe before we bring him on, if anyone has any questions for... Uh, so think a little bit about... It. So this this is a, this is a guy who... Uh, we could talk about a little bit about his um, yep. service he, he provides. So... This is an emergency room doctor. Now, eh, most of the doctors I know, you know, they're doctors, and then they go home. Yeah, they're and done. They're, they're done. So this this guy, <laughs> he, you know, he had a, some experience being an ER doc, and he was in, like we said, he's in South Africa, dealing with some issues down there. So what does he do when he comes here? He's like, you know what? I want to provide a free service to people. And so he went to the local fire departments and said, and the fire departments and medics, and said, hey, um, I have, you know, I have some skills and, you know, I, I have a kit, my car. If you ever need me, just call me or page me out. Or, or call, he actually, I think he said call me. And then mm-hmm. whatever fire department he was at first, they literally handed him a pager and said, here you go, just come. <laughs> so <laughs> he said he did that for like three years 
And then, uh, you know, all for free. He, he said it ended up costing him like, like six, five or six figures after three years of all the equipment. Like he's using, because medical equipment's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so he's using his medical equipment, all this stuff. So then Especially he, advanced provider equipment. Yeah. So then when he moved to Nelson, he started kind of doing the same thing. He said, he said, you know, right away I wasn't doing anything. And then a couple calls came in where my services could have probably helped a lot. So he basically went and said, you know, I want to do this again. So they did it. And then again, started costing a bunch of money because um, he's not taking any money. But so then uh, what he did was start a nonprofit, and, uh-huh. uh, which is helping him pay for some of this stuff. And so this is a guy so that's if you're going to ask questions, put that in that context. So this is a guy who's an emergency room doctor, but he works on road rescue and he does all this stuff. And also, didn't he say he approached the dispatching service of the ambulance service yeah. and say, hey, look, I'd like to, you know, page me for these calls and basically told them that oh, yeah. you know if if you don't i'm putting an ad on the paper with my number on and say call me and i said he's like the a-team <laughs> <laughs> which again just shows his passion for you know that pre-hospital service for a, you you need that advanced provider ticket out there yeah so yeah those are medical oversight think about <clears throat> medical oversight for your department medical direction yeah. Questions for him. Yeah, if you give us questions, don't ask. Uh, we're not going to ask him questions like, what, what's this itch I have on my groin? Because <laughs> he's not going to answer that. <laughs> yeah, well, he he'd have had enough uh, of those by the time he gets through the hole. <laughs> <laughs> unless it's bleeding or unless you're dying, <laughs> you wouldn't want any of your questions. <laughs> but very, very passionate, very knowledgeable about uh, changing your approach, changing your thought process in just your department being proactive um, and looking at, looking at how we do things. Is it the right way? Like we talked about the cardiac arrest stuff, you know, is this the right approach? Are we actually, you know, saving people or what do we need to change to make better saves? Even on the ATAC course, everybody that was there that spoke, anytime they ever mentioned, is this the right way of doing things? The answer after that was, I don't know, but we tried it. Mm-hmm. And it worked in this instance. And that was pretty much the tale of every one of those stories. Yeah, it was yeah. it was phenomenal to hear. You know, the guy um, who did the open heart surgery on the side of the road. Yeah, the uh, yeah. massage. Yeah. yeah, like just Yeah, Dr. Crazy. Mark Forrest. 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 Yeah, Dr. Forrest. Yeah, because they had said, you know, that's a traumatic uh, cardiac event. Yeah. And normally it's just like, well, you're done. <laughs> but he's like, nope, I'm going to try something. <laughs> Kept him live. He's like, hold my beer. Watch this. <laughs> like, he was able to. Hold my tea or whatever you guys have. Hold my tea. Walk his daughter down the aisle. Yeah. 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 Hold my old gray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the UK. <laughs> Did you make like warm beer there? Or what is it? No, uh, no. Uh, is it cold? It's like Foster, isn't yeah. it? No, that. <laughs> <laughs> As Marshall Bass. <laughs> <laughs> so is that you boys had fun? It was, good. It was great. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully bringing him out here somewhere, whether it's Todd's area or ours. That's the game plan. He's uh, definitely interested. They want to take this on the road a little bit. We've been talking to him about it. Can we get him for we seminar? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm working on it. <laughs> uh, we think uh, yeah, something with the triage would be good. Yeah. Whether it's the uh, actual active shooting or thing or, or a triage, just a general triage would be triage, good. Triage, march assessment. Yeah. Betcha, you know. <clears throat> um, yeah. yeah. So he's, he sounded pretty interested. In, and then I showed him some pictures of us um, blowing stuff up and he thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. I think that'd be great for him because that's such a big exposure. Mm. Yes. 
um, obviously. For departments across the province, province, right? I mean, there's it's such a large reach and such a a mixed bag of departments coming. Didn't we even have some American departments come up? We did. Yes, we did. Yeah. 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 And we're gonna have some guys coming from Maine. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We've got a few people. We've got a few people reach out to us actually and say, "Oh, as soon as you're as soon as you're ready to start booking for seminar." Let me know because mm-hmm. I want to come visit you boys. Fuck right. so, early, we don't have a lot of hotels. We, we are going to be <laughs> full this year. Full <laughs> over. Full, anyways. Full <laughs> over full. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting one. That means we have to up our game even eight more. Yeah. We're going to have to do two. I don't know. <laughs> bite to bite weekend. Yeah. I'm away that weekend. So, uh, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, that was good. That was good. Solid. Um, you'll hear more about it, I'm sure. Uh, we will try and get Dr. Nick on. He's nicely said that he's going to come on and have a conversation. If you do have any questions for him that are medically related, <laughs> um, then yeah, let us know. Let us know. We'll uh, we'll definitely ask him mm-hmm. and see if maybe we can get him on for more than one because I'm pretty sure he's one of those guys that just, he's so interested, he's just going to flow and we're going to oh, get yeah. into so many more conversations. So he's got his own podcast. He should have his own he podcast. Should he really should. Yeah. He really should. Yeah. Changing it one yeah. step at a time from the inside. Like one of the one of the deputy chiefs that I know uh, that showed up there on our day two, I was chatting with him. Yeah. He's like, he's like, oh yeah. He's like, what do you think of Doctor Nick's wear? I was like, oh, he's awesome. You know, met him at the attack conference, and he's like, yeah, I totally have a man crush on him. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's phenomenal for this area for us for our services. Although Mike got a man yeah. crush on that flight medic. <laughs> <laughs> One of our guys just follow around. <laughs> like, I want a story. I want another story. <laughs> well, you throw a helicopter into anything and it makes yeah. it cool, right? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, boys, uh, over to the shout-outs, I think. Yeah. Classic shout-outs. Tie her up. Yeah. Wait, they would bring Todd in on these? <laughs> yeah, Todd can try. That's <laughs> the challenging one. No, uh, Ash, uh, yeah. We'll start out with the Chief. Chief Miller, um, Facebook, Instagram, uh, chiefmillerapparel.com, um, shares a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of uh, just media content. Uh, look them up. Um, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of podcasts that he's kind of grouped together. Um, there's a lot of guys doing a lot of really good things. So uh, if you like what we do, um, check out his Instagram. <coughs> Uh, Chief Miller Media, uh, and there's a whole whole bunch of other guys doing things too. So check that out. And stuff. Hmm. Yeah, they're doing things and stuff. Things. Oh, <laughs> only some of them are doing stuff. stuff. Yeah, there's a bit of stuff. There's some stuff. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> he has no idea what's going on, Scott. Uh, talk to you to stop the bleed. <laughs> there we go. Okay, so next one is Modus. Uh, DTFF5 will give you 5% discount. They make cool things. It's things I don't have. <laughs> um, yeah. They make sna- the snagger tool. It's probably the the number one thing we use mm-hmm. here. Um, it's pretty sweet. It's got a lot of uh, good features to it. Uh, we've, I mean, we've talked about it on length. Have we done a video yet on it? We have not. We should, though. No, we definitely should. Well, we wanted Rob for the video. Too. They didn't, give me, they didn't give me anything. <laughs> Ash gave all us all the wedges. <laughs> yeah, so they, you know, they make they make interesting pocket devices that you know pocket devices things that you can you know fit in your pocket that mm-hmm. help you with it rescues basically. Is, yeah, I guess so the they have 
pocket of personal <laughs> pocket devices. Uh, but they're also releasing a uh, like something that would stay with the truck. So that's what's coming up next. It's like a giant so, snare to a big ass. It is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's for when the steering wheel breaks. <laughs> Break out the truck snagger. <laughs> the truck snagger. I love it. Carl. RZ Masks. RZ Masks. We have lots. We have the M1s. Uh, Velcro on the back. Really, really easy. Quick on and off. Filters last around 20 hours for high, heavy exposure. And they will just basically uh, filter out a whole bunch of garbage. Great for medical mm-hmm. calls. You know what? And I got to say, I almost broke it out when we were doing that that, uh, that that one scenario with the drug overdose. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh. Totally should have. I was like, I should whip. Because I was. opportunity. I know. I was like, I should pull out the old RZ mask and everyone would be like, oh. What we talked about as soon as we uh, approached, um, we said, "Hey, as soon as we found those that drugs, we said, okay, extra PPE." Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I heard you say. It. I was like, oh, yeah. I should have put my mask on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're great for that. Um, they're great, especially on uh, on wildfire scenes, things like that, mm-hmm. where uh, you know, yeah. we had Scott test them out in the uh, in our one of our search trailers with the pepper spray and you could see the difference of of what differences that made with on and off and that was 100% real I did laugh that hard <laughs> that's true um, I'm actually going to uh, lend one to uh, some police training people I know um, and we're going to uh, um, we're going to lend it to them and they're going to uh, take it when they do their uh, spray training which is like a lot more than just one can beautiful and they're going to wear it and hopefully not die. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to get video, but I'll be able to get feedback. So, nice. <laughs> brilliant. RZ masks. Yeah, you can uh, pick one up. If you pick it up directly from their website, then the code that you can use for a discount of thirty percent is public safety. Public safety thirty percent mm-hmm. RZ masks. Love it. Get yours today mm-hmm. or tomorrow. Or tomorrow. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Ash. Bar Boys. <laughs> uh, the Brotherhood Academy Radio. We uh, shout them out. They shout us out. Um, they're kind of part of that uh, Chief Miller group of podcast guys. Um, I've been chatting with with uh, Nick for a while there. I've also been chatting with Nick now. Have you? Yeah. Oh, you're like, in the mix. I'm like, I'm like oh, is it my like cheating on Ash right now? Or what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> or is Ash cheating on Ash? Is Nick you're cheating like, on Ash? Yeah. I'm like, Ugh. Yeah, he <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just he contacted me the other night at the bar when we were out there. I said, uh, Nick's talking to me. And you said, Dr. Nick? I said, no. Nick from the other side of the continent. So he was talking to me. <laughs> Just saying. Um, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing we were talking about, because uh, he was talking, he was, I think he was up because he was set working on his uh, the podcast, actually, um, Final Edit. And he had said, which is segueing into our next thing, um, he's saying their their department's going to do Stop the Bleed in a couple weeks. So I was pretty stoked about that. Yeah. That's awesome. Game on. Now we got to make competitive <laughs> video training videos. <laughs> <laughs> Which those guys love all of the videos that we put up. Like I see them tagging yeah. each, each one of their, their guys and uh, get decent feed, you know, feedback from it. So um, it sounds like they're trying to get some training, uh, some sort of training videos coming up uh, maybe this year. Um, which would be really cool to see. Um, every time that we do something, 
whether it's like our holes handling videos that we just put up, they're like, this is like, these guys are a mirror image of us. That's all the little tips and tricks that we're dropping. They're like, yeah, like we keep that in our training. They say redneck so, like you? <laughs> Mine? <laughs> Mustaches? <laughs> <about the> mustache. <laughs> um, yeah. He does have a pretty good fold on his hat. I noticed. Man, it's aggressive, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it's aggressive. <laughs> it's those things gotta be. The duck bill yeah, fold? There yeah. definitely ain't no flat brim hats in that. In no. that <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I like a nice curve. <laughs> those boys rock it sharp. <laughs> nice. So yeah, check them out, Brotherhood Academy Radio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fun to listen to. Yeah. Good, good lads. Doing some good work. Mm. talking to stop the bleed stop the bleed, stop yeah. the bleed. Mm. Uh, if you haven't heard of stop the bleed uh, check it out you can you go to and listen to us <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> very end end of of this. Yeah, you haven't listened to the end of this yeah. <laughs> and to the you end. talk about uh, bleeding uh, org or bleeding, bleeding control, control org, org. org. Yeah, is where is where you find stop the bleed yeah yeah and then mm. you can also find out if there's courses in your area if instructors are posting those um, it's yeah it's it's awesome there's so many other contingents to this type of training uh, a lot of the tactical medic uh, groups um, are doing adjuncts to this as well mm-hmm. um, and then ourselves we've got Scott and I have some plans here we're going to be teaching um, some other police units and border patrol units some yeah. uh, some skills and we're going to be adding on a few fun things so maybe we can do a blacked out face version of some video for that that might be really cool oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Because we definitely got some good ideas. Hmm. Um, and yeah, for Stop the Bleed, get into your schools. Get into the public. Start pushing that because you talk about these active shooting events. They, they're happening more and more. And we got to get this hmm. simple, simple life-saving skill out to people. Agreed. Well, was Agreed. it going back to the ATAC course? Should fire departments know this? Or should everybody know this? The stop, stop the Bleed. That's everybody should know it. Everybody, you betcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, uh, my plan is for this year is to start hammering into uh, the elementary school levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to do all the teachers first. And then with their view, if it's going to be grade six, sevens and up, or just sevens or just yeah. teachers, uh, we haven't figured that out yet. Uh, but then obviously all high school as well yeah. and students. Fantastic idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic idea. You know, grade six, seven, I mean, they're out there hunting with their dad. Yeah, right. they're, they're, they're they're fully capable of doing right? it. You betcha. Yeah. yeah, they have the right mindset. It's just it's um, it's the making sure the school district will be on board for that teaching that mm-hmm. content in the school. May have um, to. But as long as the teachers are aware, at least that's mm-hmm. a step ahead of the game, and we can get a kit in the school and yeah. hang that bleeding control kit on the wall next yeah. to the public access defibrillator. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Great. Great calls. Looking at it's important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if somebody else isn't doing it in your area, be the one to do it. Mm-hmm. Or even if somebody is, do it. Yeah, yeah anyway, exactly. Join them. The more the merrier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you want ideas on uh, some of the stuff like we, we uh, our wound packing, mm-hmm. where that was uh, version one, I think we're going to start making version two soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we got some, <laughs> yeah, we got some ideas. ideas now. Some more ideas. It's because the cool training supplies are expensive. Lower the yeah. price for your Stop the Bleed instructors. My God. You know what? I like MacGyvering stuff. I like seeing what I can do. That's crazy. <laughs> so, whatever. Keep your stupid crap. <laughs> we'll make our own. <laughs> yeah. Well, some some, some man dolls are getting cut up. Yeah, yeah. That's our next thing. Yeah. Yeah, we're looking for some of that latex the rubber stuff. So, I'm like... Halloween's coming? Well, I said we have an old uh, Annie doll that we don't use anymore for CPR. 
So I'm, uh, I think it's gonna get a little. It's gonna get a little de-skin. Oh <laughs> Degloving is the actual. Degloving, yeah. De-skin. Scott's not really a serial killer. <laughs> um, Secondalarm.org. Our friend Matt, the other Matt, not East, our Matt, the other Matt. East Coast Matt. East Coast, East Coast, East Coast Matt. Matt. Um, he runs a course called secondalarm.org. Secondalarm.org is the website that you can go and check out. <coughs> Matt is trying to raise awareness for all of us in the volunteer firefighter service of trying to get more and more people inside of our doors and in our halls and in our trucks. He's uh, It's a really, really good solid course. And there's a lot of departments out there that have problems trying to get people uh, and then retaining them as well. Matt is, uh, again really trying to push hard to to share the knowledge of why we all do what we do and uh yeah get get more bums in seats and make sure that they're they're doing the fun things that we're doing he needs to come to our hall <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah check him out uh secondalarm.org and then i guess we got us Mm-hmm. Uh, Ash, you just mentioned as well that we um, we just released the three-part series of the hose movement techniques, which uh, Scott kindly demonstrated and got me soaking wet in the... Uh... I didn't fall over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last two and a half uh, standing is... Uh... <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> yeah. The Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, people, Works. people mm-hmm. quite like that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah some really, really good content there. Um, three quick, easy, under two minute video pieces. Um, very quick and easily to, to digest if you like them. Share them. Let us know. Uh, if there's anything else you'd like to see that we have discussed, let us know. Mm-hmm. Again, we've uh, now the weather is starting to change for us. We would definitely be lighting up our burn buildings soon and uh, getting back out there and doing some, some more training videos for you, including uh, I'm sure we got some positive pressure stuff that we were talking about, yeah. um, some ventilation pieces. So anything that you mm-hmm. you can think of, let us know. We'll, uh, we'll Medical stuff too we can do. like that. Stop mm-hmm. believe we never actually showed. Um, I mean... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we showed the prop, but we didn't actually yeah. show any of the stuff. We should totally do that. Application. We should absolutely do that. Yeah. 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 Any more for any more? Nope. Ash. Thanks, guys. Todd. Thank you. Fun as always. Scott. Thank you. Oh, look up Artac. Yeah. Yeah. Artac. Artac group. Artac. Artac. That's A T A C C, and this Artac group. Uh, they are on the Instagrams and, and the book faces and, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. great bunch of guys trying to do some great work. Look at Todd's doodle. He wants a tattoo of the ATAC symbol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ATAC for life. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Stay safe. Stay DTFF. <laughs>